Make some noise for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, then I'm going to let you be seated. It says this, faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Come on, say it like you're going to preach with me. Say faith. faith. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. And through their faith, everybody say through their faith. No, y'all ain't preaching yet. Say, through their faith. The people in days of old earned a good reputation. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence that we already feel in this house today. We open our hearts and our minds to receive what you've prepared for us, and we are ready to leave this place different than we came. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. Welcome to NOLA Church right here in the middle of the summer, only 21 more weeks before Christmas. Go ahead and telling you now in case you forgot. I like Albanese gummies, not the worms. No one should ever eat worms of any kind, even the candy worms. And if you're and I'm you say, why did you tell me that? It's almost Christmas. I don't want you to be prepared. They're in the white bag. They say Albanese, and they are the world's best gummies, and that's what you should buy your pastor. If you like him, if you don't like him, just don't get him anything. He'll buy his own dang gummies. But anyway, I'm glad that y'all are here. God is awesome. Have y'all been challenged by our entrepreneur series so far? Praise God. I want to give a greeting to all of our family in Kenya. Why don't we take about 10 seconds and welcome our Kenyan family with us? God is awesome. We are in part five of a series that we started called Entrepreneur, and we are diving into a characteristic of our God that is so often overlooked. And I'm not talking about starting small businesses. Definitely there are some principles that if you feel like that's something you should do, you'll learn some stuff from this. Because what I'm doing is I'm taking some principles from the business world and I'm showing you the characteristic of God, how it parallels right alongside it. Very much like Jesus did in his earthly ministry, he taught in parables. He would take a truth and alongside that truth, he would kind of throw something from the day and age to help them have a little bit more context. Does that make sense? So that's what we're doing in this. And we have, we have learned about profitability. We learned about dedication and half the church left over that one. And then we learned about intimacy. Y'all thought I was joking, but I'm not. I mean, they went on vacation. Hopefully they come back, but we'll see. Um, we learned about, uh, intimacy and going deep in worship. And then last week we learned about connectivity. And like Joe said, God did some amazing things last week. Praise God. And today we are going into the fifth part, but before we get into the sermon, I want to kind of set it up. So you see where we are. We're not going to preach out of this. I'm just going to kind of give you this couple of verses here to get you started out of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And it says this, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruits of your crops. And then everyone that didn't leave over the dedication sermon, you're already gathering your stuff to leave now because you know that today's sermon is all about money. And y'all are not even laughing because you're like, why is he doing this? Because it's summertime. Half the people are gone and then I can preach about this. They'll watch it online. It's going to be good. So here, let, let's read this again in case you missed it. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruits of your crop. Why, why do this? He answers it in the very next verse. Then, everybody say then. There's something that we've been learning over the last couple of years that there are two very, very key words that we see in the Bible. The first word that you always need to look for is the word when, because this is setting up a new reality, a new understanding, a new beginning of something. And any time that you see the word when, look closely for the then to follow, because God's going to start something new, and then he's going to show you what that new reality looks like. So when you honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruits of your crop, then something's going to happen. Then your barns will be filled completely, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, here's what's interesting about this. And uh, People say, well, why, why are you preaching about this? I'm, I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons why. Anyone ever heard of TikTok? Anyone ever heard of Instagram? Anyone ever heard of Facebook? Like all the old people are like, yes, praise the Lord. Anybody heard of MySpace? Any old school people up in the house? How many of y'all know AOL? 
you've got mail. I had Ice Cube as my you've got mail guy. It was awesome. Like, here's the deal. People have started getting their news from social media more than they're going to the, the established news outlets. The problem with that is all of these self-proclaimed journalists, there's no, like, I, I would say it's different from regular news, but you don't really know if they're telling the truth either. But in, in, in social media, that's where a lot of people are getting their news from. But here's the deal. That trend has carried over into faith, and a lot of people are getting their theology from so-called celebrities and so-called theologians and so-called smart people on these social media platforms. And these individuals go on social media, and they'll say some things. They've got no bearing with anybody that's hearing it. There's, there's no one following up to see if they're accurate. People oh, they said it. It's on the Internet. It's got to be real, right? Don't trust everything you read on the internet. Don't trust everything that someone tells you is in the Bible. Don't build your life on somebody's misunderstanding. And, and there's, a, there's a trend that's going on right now called deconstructionism. And this is where you have a lot of new be- people that are coming into belief and they're bumping up against people who've been raised in faith going to some kind of church. And these people that have been raised in faith are being challenged by these new believers coming in because the new believers coming in are taking societal things, things from politics, things from culture. And they're saying, well, this is truth because they don't know God and they're coming in. And the people that have been raising, like, I don't want to offend anybody. I I don't want people to dislike me. I don't want to get canceled because nobody wants to get canceled because, like, then you lose all your followers and all this. So what has ended up happening is people of faith are beginning to let down on truth to make people who don't know anything about truth feel comfortable. Here's the deal about the gospel. You have to hear me. This is not hate speech. This is not being mean. This is truth. This is not fake news. This is the true news. Amen. This is the good news about Jesus. Truth will always offend you. If truth is not offending you, brace yourself, baby. You're about to get caught away early. Because as long as we are on this side of the veil of tears, the character of God is going to bump up against our humanity. Don't buy into the lie of perfectionism that, well, I accepted Jesus. Everything is perfect in my life. Anyone that believes that has never breathed. But you're going to learn some things that bump up against you. And if you don't have faith in God or if this is a relatively new thing for you, you're going to hear some things about the character of God today that are going to bump you. And the trend in deconstructionism is to break down the things of God to make it more palatable in a godless culture. You can't take God out of truth and it still be true because when you remove God, it's no longer true. And there's this trend, even, even among the good uh, get-rich-quick scheme preachers, uh, the prosperity doctrine guys, they're realizing that prosperity doctrine doesn't work anymore, so now they're coming back, and like some of the biggest proponents are like, I've taught wrong all these years, and you, you don't need to put God first in your finances. And, and they're trying to gather followers. Well, I can't do that because I don't care who follows me as long as you follow Christ. We're all in good shape, amen? So I'm going to preach truth. I'm not going to back up from truth. If it offends you, take it up with God. It's his word, amen? I'm going to do it nicely. I'm going to love you, but I'm going to preach you truth, amen? Is that cool? Look at your neighbor and say, it's all right. He doesn't hate you. All right, so let's go back to the word of God. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says this, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruits of your crops. What does the word honor here mean? You could take out, depending on what translation you're reading in, some translations say honor, some say worship. It's one and the same thing. Worship God from your wealth. Everybody say my wealth. And from the first fruits of all your crops. Now, now, why this scripture today, Pastor? Why start off? Here's the reason. There are a lot of people that want to deconstruct the idea uh, that God put in place called tithing and offering. 
They want to deconstruct it because they don't want to make an investment in anything that has legacy or anything that has long-term eternal effects. They would rather invest in things that are temporal. And so they'll come to you and say, hey, tithing is not really something you need to engage in. That's an ancient principle that no longer applies. But here's the deal. The word of God does not ever say, don't follow Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. It just says, here's Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. And whatever he has said has been forever settled. Amen. And here's what it says. Honor the God, honor the Lord. In other words, worship the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruits of your crops. So what is this? And you know that words in the Bible mean thing. Wealth is literally a reference to our abundance. Everybody say abundance. What is abundance? This is the stuff that we gather this is the stuff that we put in our savings account and our 401ks and our retirement accounts and all of these things. This is what the word of God is talking about. You need to learn to worship and honor God from the things that you've gathered. And everybody's like, well, yeah, I get that. You know, we, we give on Sundays. That's when we give. Or if I give online, I might give throughout the week. Yeah, cool, that's awesome. But he's not talking about tithing right here. He is talking about offering. And how do you know, Pastor? Because he makes a distinction between the abundance and the first fruits. First fruits is a biblical principle and is a direct reference to tithing. First fruit is literally this the, the best. The very first part of the abundance that comes into me, I need to turn around and return it to God. Why is this? Because the principle of tithing is simply this. God says, what I give you to, for you to have abundance, the very first portion of that is mine. And I want you to worship me. I want you to honor me with the things that I've entrusted to you. But I want that first portion. I want you to set it aside. And I want it to be the very first thing that you give me. I don't want the second best. I want the best best. I want the good stuff. If, if you're doing something, I want the very first portion. You say, well, why do I want to do this? Great question. Because this in our economy today does not make sense. How in the world, and when I can't even pay my bills, how in the world, when inflation is through the roof, higher than it's been in 30 or 40 years, how in the world, when things just keep going up and up and up, how am I going to be able to make it if God's making me give him some stuff? No, you missed it. If you want God to be a part of the crap that you're living in right now. If you want God to be a part of the life when life is turning up and breaking down on every turn, if you want God to be involved in the chaos of the life that you live, you need to honor him first. Put him first in every part of your life and watch what he does. He said, well, what's he gonna do? Look at verse 10. Then your barns will be filled completely and your vats will overflow with new wine. And somebody said, that's my kind of party. That's not what he's talking about. <laughs> Relax. That's what y'all did on Saturday night. On Sunday, we're going to come clean and sober. Amen. But, so what is, what is he talking about here? He, he says, I want you to honor me with the things that I entrust to you as your abundance, but I also want you to honor me with the stuff that belongs to me that I, I see what you do with it. And if you'll trust me in this area, and if you'll rely on me in this area, and if you will obey me in this area, your barns will be filled completely. What are barns talking about? Barns are the place that you go for daily provision. Everything that you need on the daily, I'll take care of that. You don't have to stress about Anybody stressed about finances? Anybody, you're, you're facing challenges. Y'all were scared to death to raise your hand. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> no, it ain't. Stop lying. If you have trouble trusting God to meet every day's need, it's because your barns are not filled or you're scared to death of your barns not being filled. But if you worship him with your wealth and with the first roots which already belong to him, he'll take care of everything that you need in the daily. How do you know that, Pastor? Because his word said it. I'm just old school enough to believe the word of God is what he says it is. Amen? But he doesn't stop there. He says, and then your, your vats will overflow with new vines. What are the vats? The vats were places where they would store up future provisions. 
The barns were for daily provisions here and now. The vats were for the future. So what God is talking about here, look, if you can catch this principle, folks, no matter what time it's in, no matter what day and age it's in, if you can get this principle, honor me with your wealth. Honor me with what's already mine. Follow my lead. Trust me. Rely on me and obey everything that I say. I'll take care of every one of your daily needs and your future will be held in my hand and not in the hand that is going to drop it at the given moment. He makes a promise to start off. So now that I've thoroughly offended everyone and affected everybody's mood, let's go right into today's sermon. The fifth part of our series, I'm just simply calling it investment. Everybody say investment. Let me ask you this question. Is your life invested in Jesus or do you stop the flow of his spirit with your doubt? Is there any part of your life where the flow of the Holy Spirit is not getting through? Has it hit a dam in your life? Everything was wonderful and then all of a sudden everything fell apart. Okay, great. That's what the principle of investment is all about. And just just like we've done every Sunday in this series, I'm taking something from economics and from the business world and I'm showing you how this applies into this thoroughly biblical principle of entrepreneurism. And there are three terms that I want to unpack today and I want to show you how this proves something in your life. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and have them handy. We're going to be hopping around a little bit. Normally I kind of unpack like a whole chapter, but today we're going to kind of do some hopping around because I'm going to show you some things that you can definitely take value in and and find great things for your life as we move forward forward. The three business principles that I want to unpack today are simply this security, inventory, and development. Security, inventory, and development. So what what is security? Security is the source that allows general operations. In the business world, your security, the thing that secures your business is literally that source, whatever that is, that allows you to function in a general sense. And then inventory is the source that maintains your current operations. If, you, if you're a business owner, if you work for a business and the business sells product and the business runs out of product and you've got no inventory, you like go in the back warehouse and there's nothing there, like you're not going to be able to make sales for that day, right? If you have a coffee shop and there's no coffee beans being ground on the back side of the wall, people are going to show up for coffee. There's not going to be coffee there. And I don't know about y'all, but if there's no coffee, that's a very, very, very bad day for me. You go to a restaurant. I went to a restaurant the other day. My favorite breakfast spot, I showed up. Like, they know me. They know my order when I walk in. I don't know if that says that I go there too much or if they're just really good at their job. One of the two, it's somewhere in between. I showed up, and they saw me walking to the counter to place my order, and they said, just so you know, we don't have any potatoes. Like, what kind of breakfast place don't have potatoes? Okay. All right, I can get something else. I'll do grits. Uh, We don't have any grits then you don't have breakfast. I mean, I'm just saying. What do you have? We have wheat toast. <laughs> have you looked at me? I ain't eating no, nobody's wheat toast, I promise you. If it ain't a grilled biscuit, it ain't going in my gullet, I'm just saying. Then they began to unpack all the things they didn't have. I was like, then you don't have a customer today. I got up and I walked out because like, if you don't have what I need, I can't go there. This is why businesses need inventory. What is inventory? Inventory is the source that maintains the current operations. Everything that I need to get by during the day, that is sourced through my inventory. And then development. Everybody say development. Development is the source that establishes future operations. Whenever I'm looking to where I'm going to go tomorrow, when I'm looking where my business is going in three years, five years, three months, six months, whatever it may be, I've got to be looking at the development. Another word for development is advancement. I've got to be able to advance from where I am. Any business owner that's in the house will tell you they're not just thinking about today. They're also thinking about six months from now because they have to be able to get to that point and you got to start somewhere. So in, in the principle of entrepreneurism, there's security, there's inventory, and there's development. And each of these three things represent three different aspects of the source. Last week, we learned what the source was. If you missed last week, go to nolachurch.com or follow us on YouTube and you can get caught up on all the sermons. But I want to show you how this applies in our lives today 
But I, I want to start by asking you a question. How do you secure your life? In other words, what is the security that you're building your life on? Let me also ask you this question. How do you maintain your life? What source do you go to for daily maintenance? And how do you plan for your future? Do you go on Pinterest to find out what the latest trend is and say, that's the future that I want? Or do you go on to the internet? Do you look at someone else's social media feed to decide what your future is going to be? How are you establishing your future operations and your life? How do you plan for your future? Here's the thing. In these three business principles, God has already provided some very strong God foundation. And, and over the next few minutes, I want to unpack all three of these, and I want to teach you something. Number one, I, I'm bumping up against the culture of deconstructionism that wants to remove God from, the, from our society. God is definitely needed in every element of our society. Amen? We need God in our schools. We need God in our colleges. We need God on our jobs. We need God in our politics. We need God in our sports. We need God in our entertainment. We need God all up in our life. Amen. So here we go. I had to say that so y'all would rejoice with me and because y'all were getting scared because I was coming for your wallet. But let me tell you, I'm not. I don't want anything from you today. So you can relax. I'm going to teach you God's principles, but I don't want anything from you. It's a, it's, it's a money back guarantee. And here's the cool thing. It's such a good money back guarantee. You never have to give your money in the first place. It's a money keep guarantee. How you like that? That's how that works. So let's first talk about security. Everybody say security. What is God's security plan? The thing that you've got to understand is that fearful entrepreneurs spend too much time trying to secure their current status. Don't do anything to challenge me because that may get me distracted. And if you distract me, I got ADHD and all the other letters and I'd get all confused and I'm going to chase this rabbit. And, and so what they do is all day long, they're trying to make sure that right now my current status is not being affected. Don't do anything to bump me. And we live in a world that is chasing this idea of not offending people because everybody walks around in their offenses and they're living in offenses. And so when you say anything, when the word of God says anything, they get all offended because the word of God is going to bump your current status. But a fearful entrepreneur is an entrepreneur that is trying everything they can to secure their current status. But there are some principles in the word of God that I want to teach you this morning. The first is found in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 to the beginning of, of verse 5. And here's what it says. At the designated time, Cain brought some of the fruit. Everybody say some of the fruit. No, y'all ain't preaching with me. Preach with me. Say some of the fruit. At the designated time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground for an offering to the Lord. And Abel brought some of the firstborns, everybody say some of the firstborn, of his flock, even the fattest of them. What we're seeing here in these scriptures talking about two different individuals, they were brothers, Cain and Abel. One lived a life of trust, the other lived a life of fear. And I grew up in church, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid, fifth generation pastor's kid on both sides of my family. So I grew up hearing about this a lot. And a lot of the times when you hear about this, people will teach that God didn't like Cain's offering because of what he brought. But that is simply not the truth. There was nothing wrong with him bringing fruit of the ground. I've heard people go on long dissertations about, well, there was no blood in the offering. Hogwash. Don't make crap up. Like the word of God can stand on its own. The word of God doesn't need our help. There is no private interpretation. The truth is forever settled, amen? Not near enough amens, but we'll, I'll get there in just a second. Here we go. There was no problem with the fact that Cain brought fruit of the ground, and there was no problem that Abel brought a blood offering of one of his sheep because Cain was a farmer that, that harvested crops, and Abel was a farmer that harvested animals. There was no problem in what they brought. It was their motivation. One brought something out of trust. Another brought something out of fear. 
And here's the deal, hear me. Somebody would say, I'm just going to obey God. And that's good. It's good to obey God. But if you're obeying God out of fear, there is no power in your obedience. And God can't do anything through that. God would rather you come from a place of trust and a place where you, while you may not fully understand everything, you come from a place of trust that says, even if I do this and it doesn't work out how I want it to, I trust that you're going to handle things beyond what I can see with my natural eye. Cain brought some of the fruit and Abel brought some of the firstborn, even the fattest of them. Look at the end of verse four and into the beginning of verse five. And here's, here's what we see. And the Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering, but with Cain and his offering, he was not pleased. So why was God not affirming Cain? Why was God not meeting Cain where he was? I'm bumping modern day Christianese right now. God will meet you where, he, where you're at. No, he will not. He will reach out with his spirit and he will draw you to where he is. Because where you are is going to mess you up. But where he is, there is fullness of joy. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that's why he's going to take you out of where you are and bring you to where he is. God is not mad at, at Cain. He's not overly pleased at Abel. Abel's not his favorite. Abel is, is not the one who never doesn't know. Abel has issues just like Cain does. The difference that we see here is that Abel honored God with his best and Cain simply brought something. You see, God had already laid down a principle to Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel's parents, and said, here's how you're going to stay out of the consequence of the sin that you introduced into the world. You're going to put me first in everything. Because you have to understand this. The principle of honoring God first is not something that is introduced in the law code. It's actually something that is the characteristic of God. That in the very first humans, humans that he ever created, he taught them this principle. And it is a principle throughout the Bible that has never gone away at all. It is still vitally relevant in our day and age today. Cain and Abel already knew how God wanted to be worshipped and how God wanted to be honored. And Abel just simply said, I've got a, I've got a crop here of my flock. I, I've raised some animals and they've produced other animals. I'm going to go through here. Which one is the best one? Okay, that's the one that belongs to God. And Cain just said, I got a harvest. Oh, yeah, I got to go to church. Yeah, this will work. The problem was not in the fact that they both brought an offering. God didn't care if one was from the ground and the other one was from the flock. What God cared about deeply was the motivation of what brought it in because one represented absolute trust in God's security and the other said it does not really matter. And when God looked at it, he says, Abel, I'm pleased with, but Cain, you got some issues in your life. And Cain did like a lot, did like a lot of us do today and he got mad and he pouted. I just got to take a step back. I'm just going to need some alone time right now, God. And God, God looks at this. By the way, this is how you deal with this day and age where everybody's living in their fences. What are you ticked off about? You know what to do. If you do it, things are going to go well with you. If you don't, this is what happens. God's not mad at him. God just looks at him and says, you don't trust me because you don't honor me with your first. You don't honor me with the best. And you have to understand this, that your motivation and your belief system matters. Why are you in this? I just don't want to go to hell. Me neither. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want any of you to go to hell. But if the only reason that you come to church on Sunday, if the only reason that you call yourself a believer is so you don't go to hell, my friend, you have missed the whole purpose of this. And when the moment of life comes in your face and challenges you, your security will not be found in God because you don't trust God enough to sustain your life. You're just trying to escape hellfire. Because our motivation matters. And you have to understand this, that security begins with motivation. 
Let me ask you this question. Is, is your motivation to honor God or is your motivation to simply avoid stress? I can't take any more. Welcome to life. Guess what? You're going to wake up tomorrow and things are going to be tough again. I thought COVID was over. Like half the church is out today because they got sick. Didn't mean to suck the air out of the room. That's just the reality. I thought we were past that. I thought the inflation was transitory, temporary. I thought life was just going to get better and better. I thought living with Jesus was my best life now. Hogwash. I thought if I chose Jesus, it would never rain in my life. Don't believe the lies of Christianese. When you name the name of Christ, all hell goes. Don't get mad when your life starts falling apart just because you decided to trust Jesus. That's when you get to say, I don't care if it rains. I don't care if it's bad. I'm going to trust him no matter what because my security is not in this life. My security is in the one who created me in his image and in his likeness. And if my security is in this world, oh God, I'm among all men most miserable to quote Paul. We need to find security in the eternal, not in the temporal. And here's the deal. You got to get this. You need to learn to place your security in your source. If your source is yourself, you're going to run out of steam. If your source is in your politics, they're going to change parties. If your source is in the Supreme Court, they're going to do things that you don't like. If your source is in entertainment, your favorite comedian is going to get canceled. Don't read into that. It just popped in my head. Don't read into that. If your source is your sports team, they're going to have a really, really bad season. Insert Saints fans right there. (laughs) If your source is in your friends, one of them is going to do something that hurts your feelings. If your source is in your mom and dad, they're going to say something that you don't like. If your source is in your brother or sister, your family's going to act like family does sometimes and they're going to say some things and you're going to be like, we need time apart. If your source is in anything else other than Jesus, your security is not going to be on a strong foundation. But here's the thing. When you honor God first, here's what happens. It literally obligates him to his personal engagement in every part of your life. He says, trust me in this. Honor me first. Watch what I can do with everything that you need right now and everything that you could even possibly remotely need for the rest of your natural life and then for the rest and full totality of what I call eternity. Why are you talking about this? Because there's a lot of us placing our source in so many other things. And when we place our source in anything other than Jesus, our confidence wavers. And our confidence is is weakened. We try to take a step of faith and we can't step out on anything strong because our security is in the natural. And everything in the natural is offending us and everything in the natural is challenging us. And God's like, hey, I've got you, just trust me. And you're like, I don't know if I can. He's like, "Just, just try it. But God has a security plan and everything in his security plan rises and falls on who he is. Let's talk about the next principle here real quick. God's inventory plan. Everybody say inventory. Inventory. I'm preaching good truth, uplifting, encouraging truth. You're like, inventory. All right. Let me talk about God's inventory plan. We're talking about entrepreneurs and fearful entrepreneurs are too scared of not having enough so they hoard their resources. Anyone ever watch that show Hoarders? Creeps me out. I can't watch it very long. I watch it for 10 minutes. I go in my garage and literally throw everything away. My Olga's like, stop watching it. We can't afford to buy all new tools. <laughs> and I get it. Like, I just, you can't throw that away celebrity person that's helping me today. You can't throw that away. I need this. What do you need? 
15-year-old TV dinners just in case. If this offends you, it's purely accidental. I got a cousin who has a go bag. And some of you are like, what in the world is a go bag? My thoughts exactly. He's like, bro, you got to come see my go bag. I'm like, what's that going to do? And he walks me into this secure part of his house. First, I was going to take you 45 minutes to get to where your go bag is. You ain't going nowhere. And he opens up this locked door and he pulls out this bag. And in the bag, it's got like a bunch of stuff. I'm like, cool. What you going to do with that? He says, well, when they come for everything, I got some place to go. Like, what? He's a preacher's kid. He goes to church. Like, when they come for, What? Like you talk about the zombie apocalypse? Like, what are you talking about? Well, when the government comes and takes all... Shut up. First off, if the government comes and takes your stuff, your little bag is not going to help. They got way bigger guns than you'll ever own. Government's big. Like, you got to imagine living in the Ukraine right now. Is this, is this too relevant? Living in the Ukraine right now, and I, I have a go bag. The tanks are rolling up to the border. I have a go bag. Let's go. <laughs> like it's, it's not going to help. You can have all the bags you want. You can prep for the end of the world. But are you prepping for the end of the world if you're putting your stuff in a bag instead of laying up your treasures in heaven? God's inventory plan is nothing in the temporal, but he teaches you a principle because fearful entrepreneurs are too scared of not having enough. So what they do is they hoard. I got to have enough. Like open up, open up my pantry and there's a false wall and behind it there's like nine years of boxed water. Good. That's a lot of powdered water, I guess. I, I, what do you add to powdered water? Anyway. <laughs> Science. Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 and 9 starts unpacking God's inventory plan because he doesn't want you to go through the day not having enough. And he also doesn't want you stressed about what you don't have like because that's kind of the human nature. We look at other people's so, well, where did they get that car? Man, I really, Chip and Joanna have a wonderful house. I'm sure there are others. I don't know any of the others' names, so I, I don't really know how to reference if you don't like their stuff. But I want their house. Like, or go, go on the fashion mag. I want those clothes. And they're like, that's a really nice car. Like the, the other day, or yesterday, I was coming up to the church because the, the coffee bar flooded. And so I had to come up and be a plumber. I preach on Sundays and I plumb on Saturdays. That's just kind of how that works. I'll pull my pants all the way up, though, so you don't have to, anything to worry about. I was on, that's a good joke. There, just laugh. You were thinking it. You were thinking it. So I was on my way up to the church because there's standing water in, in, in the living room there. I'm coming down the road, and right in front of me, a McLaren just pulls out in front of me. Like, and somebody's like, what's a McLaren? It's like $550,000 worth of awesome muscle car. I'm not even a car dude, but when a McLaren drives in front of you, you're just like. <laughs> there was nobody else in the, in the car with me, but I was thinking like, I am definitely in the wrong business. <laughs> Preston, you drive stunt cars. Have you ever driven a McLaren? Have you ever sat in a McLaren? They're pretty cool, huh? Look at your name and say McLaren three times real fast. Like I, I, I've never seen one in real life. I've seen it in magazines. I've seen it on movies. But it was in River Ridge, of like of all places. Like, why? 
do you know where you are? That's Pacino's. This isn't Italy, you know. And the McLaren pulls out in front of me. I'm like, I would like a new car. That would be very, very nice. My wife's car's got a fuel problem. The connection isn't strong. I would like to take that Denali and trade it in on McLaren. Everybody else that hasn't left the church would leave the church immediately. Pastor rolls up in a Bentley. Like, Bye. <laughs> but see, here's the deal. We're worried about our here and now, and we look at what everybody else has, and we're like, I want some of that stuff because I'm scared to death. Malachi 3, verses 8 and 9 says, Can a person rob God? And then he says, You are indeed robbing me. Another word you could put here is, You're indeed hoarding. Because hoarding is robbing God. But you say, how are we robbing you? And he answers their question. He says, in tithes and contributions. This particular translation calls it contributions, but the original word here is the word offering. You got to hear me. There's a difference between tithing and offering. Tithing belongs to God. Offering belongs to us. With tithing, we don't give tithe. We don't pay tithes. Tithe is not a bill. It's God's. Like he says here, what are you going to do with what's mine? I know what you're going to do with what's yours, but what are you going to do with what's mine? Here's the deal. Tithing is not about you trusting God. Tithing is about God trusting you. I'm going to give you something that belongs to me to see what you do with it. You know, it was a bad week. I just couldn't afford to pay tithe. Your mindset's wrong. You don't trust your source. You're hoarding. I don't have enough, and the one that I believe in doesn't have anything enough to take care of my daily needs. I'm my own source, so let me keep something that's not mine, and it's called theft. I know they don't enforce many of the laws anymore, but in God's reality, that is a law that he still enforces. You still, for me, there's going to be consequences. But he doesn't just say, you're robbing me in in what's mine. He says, you're also robbing me with what's yours. Look at verse 9. He says, you're bound for judgment because you're robbing me. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand. Just think about this. Anybody ever ask, why isn't God fair? I said, don't raise your hand. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We've all probably asked the question in some form or fashion. That's just not fair. He says, you are bound for judgment. Judgment is not bad here. Judgment is fairness. You are bound for fairness because you're robbing me. You take something that belongs to someone else, there's going to be consequences for it. You take something that belongs to God and put it in your pocket And he says, there's going to be a consequence that comes from this. But then he takes it a step further and he says, the whole nation is guilty. What is he talking about here? This is literally the last words that you hear from God in the Old Testament. For another 400 years, the people don't hear from God. Until John the Baptist shows up and starts preparing the way for God incarnate, meaning God in flesh. The next time you hear the voice of God is the first time you hear the voice of Jesus in the Bible. So the last thing that God says before the era completely changes is you're robbing me because you don't trust me as your source. You're hoarding what you think you need because you don't rely on me. You don't really know who I am. But it's not just you. The entire nation is guilty. What is he talking about? You got to go all the way back into the book of Exodus. And they're, they're, they're going in to possess the land of promise. Jericho was God's. God says, don't take anything from Jericho. This belongs to me. Everything from this point, you can plunder it as you go in and conquer the land. But Jericho belongs to me. It is the tithe on your promised land. And the man Achan saw a Babylonish garment. He saw a garment of purple and he saw some silver and he saw some gold and he went, I like it and I want it. You're going home with me. And he takes it back home with him and he digs a hole under his tent 
There was a lot of premeditation that went involved in his theft, and he buried it in the tent, covered it back up, put the floor back in. I don't know what kind of floor they had in their tent. It was probably like something like AstroTurf or something, and he lays it back down. The whole family doesn't even know about it. They go out about a month later, and they're going to conquer the town of Ai, and Joshua's like, Jericho went so well, we got this. Send out a quarter of the troops, and a quarter of the troops go in, and this little bitty town kicks their rear end from sunup to sundown. And Joshua's like, dude, because Joshua's from like the south, and he looks at God and says, oh, heavenly father. He went, dude, what happened? Anybody ever been there? God talks back to him. There's a thief in the house. Josh's like, I didn't do nothing. I didn't even go in this battle. I stayed home. There's a thief in the house. How are we going to deal with this? God, God's like, and Joshua follows. And they go through all the tribes. They go through all the clans within the tribe. They go with all the families within the clans within the tribes. They come to Achan. And Achan's standing there in front of his tent with his whole family. There's a bunch of them. And the voice of God says, there he is. Understand this. I know this is an Old Testament, but God always reveals the person who doesn't trust, rely, and obey on him. Because God is going to continue to move his people forward. And if you're the, if you're the one that's hanging things up, God's like, okay, I, I, okay, but now it's time to deal with you. Joshua says, Achan, what happened? I saw this stuff. I, I, it looked good. I wanted it, so I got it. Where's it at? It's buried in your tent. Go get it. Brings it out. Then the Bible tells us that God told him, you've got to take care of Achan, you've got to take care of his family, and you've got to take care of his entire generation. But his wife and kids knew nothing about it. His entire generation knew nothing about it. The sin of one person has a greater impact on the body than the body is willing to understand because we're connected in a community. And when you stumble, I'm stumbling too because we're connected. And if you don't trust God and I'm stepping forward trusting God and you're not trusting God, I'm going to slip and I'm going to fall or I'm going to drag you along with me and that's not a very pleasant way to do life. Thank God for the mercy and grace that Jesus provided. God doesn't take us out and stone us when we hold up the whole kingdom. Some of y'all got stoned last night, but that's not the kind of stone I'm talking about. There are consequences on the individual's action. And if you don't trust God and if you don't rely on God, your actions are going to impact everybody else that's doing life with you. And God's plan of community and God's plan of inventory is for you to trust and rely on him. And inventory is gathered through some strategic alignments. And let me ask you this question. Is your life aligned with Jesus? Because if he is your source, there's no reason to hoard anything. Let's go to the third point, and I'm bringing this to a close. God's development plan. Everybody say development. Fearful entrepreneurs are too fixated on present comfort to effectively develop for expansion. A, fear, a fearful entrepreneur will never take their business to the next level. They'll never go after that next sale. They'll never, never open that next account. And the same thing applies in a believer's life. You will never conquer that next mountain if you live in fear of developing because you're too fixated on today's comfort. I would do that, but that's going to make me very, very uncomfortable. And I am unwilling to be uncomfortable right now. So what ends up happening is you end up settling in a place that God never told you to stay. You can go back to the Old Testament and see there were two tribes. When it was time to go into the promised land, they were like, no, we're good right here. No, nah, we don't need to go over there. And, and Moses and Joshua are like, okay, cool, do your thing. But isn't it interesting that the downfall and the division in God's people began with the two tribes that refused to cross into the promised land because they got comfortable where they were. This looks really good right around in here. This looks like some really good ground. I, I could do some, I could do some really good things here. Look what I can produce in this place. Let me just stay here right where I'm at because this place is comfortable. Here's the deal. Belief is not about comfort. Belief is about expansion. 
Belief is about taking that next step to where God wants you to go. And here's the deal, y'all. You can't focus all your attention fixating on your present, on the things that you have and what you don't have or what you're lacking. Because if you do, you're, you're going to stay right here. You're never going to move forward. I don't have this. You may not need it. I need more. You probably don't. You want more. See, in today's society, we've got to the place where we have equated wants and needs. They're, they're not the same. You need a roof over your head. You need clothes. You need food. You need water. You don't need a McLaren. If you get one, take your pastor for a ride in your McLaren. But I promise you, nobody needs a McLaren. Yeah, but but if, if I don't have it, my neighbors over there won't realize that I'm blessed. Since when did God say your blessings was stuff? If you... If you're fixated on your comfort, you're not going to have trust in your source. And you won't put any of your attention on your advancement. You'll live for today. I just got to feel good today. Pastor, don't challenge me. Don't challenge me, Pastor. Don't teach me something I've never heard before. Don't bring out the word of truth to, to confront my religious misunderstanding and my religious and my denominationalism. Don't do anything that bumps me because I like being comfortable. I want my spiritual gift to be all about me, so don't tell me they're about other people. Don't you dare do that. Don't you dare tell me that there's something beyond repentance for a believer. Don't you tell me that water baptism is vital. Don't you tell me I need to be infilled and indwelled with the power and the character of God by being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare tell me that God has a name other than Father. Don't you dare say anything that offends me because I like where I am. I don't want to move anywhere. I'm comfortable. And that is the life that produces nothing. Go back to the first sermon in this series, profitability. What are you doing with what's been entrusted to you? God is making a massive investment into your life. What do you, well, I, I, just, I don't like the way you preach. Me neither. Work on it every week. I don't like the songs they sing. Same. Nothing against them. I, they, they sing some songs like, why, why in the world do you sing that song? I, like, I wish they'd do a small group that meets my needs. Here's the deal. The church that meets your needs is a church that's not worried about the word of God. Because the church's job is not to meet your needs or anybody else's needs. The church's job is to teach you to do the work of ministry so that you can go out and fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. That is the job of the church. Social awareness has nothing to do with the word of God. That's not our job. It's not our job to go feed the homeless. Why doesn't the church feed the homeless? Because it's not our job. Our job is to teach you how to be the light and love of Jesus in the world. And then if you see someone homeless, you'll go feed them. It's not my job to build a program to go get all the homeless people off the street. But over the years, we've, we've decided that the here and now is where we need to be. We're not looking to God's future. I'm not saying you look at a homeless person and say, you're not. That's not what I'm saying at all. Don't read more into this. But the church fixates all of our time on meeting the needs in the natural, and we completely overlook the spiritual needs. And if you give someone a bottle of water, by all means, give them a bottle of water. But if you're not giving them the living word, hang on to your bottle until you're ready to share the living word because they're going to get thirsty again. But when they drink the living water, they will never thirst again. So here it is, God's security. His security, his inventory, and his development is predicated on your investment. If you're an entrepreneur, at some point you're going to have to make an investment. Well, I'm going to do GoFundMe. You're not going to get very far. You're not going to get very far. Well, no one's investing because you're not investing. I love watching Shark Tank. Shark Tank. I love watching Shark Tank because Mark Cuban looks at him and says, are you selling garbage bags? 
Are you trying to collect a salary? What's he talking about? If you're unwilling to put the work into what you're asking me to invest, I'm not going to invest in it. So someone would say, well, I need God's investment in my life. When is God going to do God's thing? No, here's the deal. When are you going to trust, rely, and obey on God? Because you're never going to walk into the future he has for you until you're willing to trust him for who he says that he is. You got to be willing to take a risk and trust Jesus. I'm not sure I can do it. Well, the rewards are totally worth it, I promise you. Totally worth it. So let's look at this last scripture, Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Because here's the deal. God wants to enter into a mutual trust relationship with you. He's going to trust you first with something that's his so that you will trust him with some of what's yours. He's not asking you to do something that he has not already done. Don't let someone lie to you and tell you tithing no longer applies. That's hogwash. Let's back up. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Just in case anyone would say that Jesus never mentioned tithing. He says, woe to you experts in the law and to you Pharisees and you hypocrites. You give a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, but yet you neglect what is more important in the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have done these things, meaning tithe, without neglecting the others. Because there's this trend going on right now. Well, Jesus never mentioned tithe, so it doesn't... First off, Jesus is the living word. So that means everything back here is Jesus. Everything back here is Jesus. So it's, if it's back here, it's Jesus. If he said it here, he kept saying it. If he didn't unsay it in this part, then this part is the same, right? Do we believe the word of God is the word of God? Jesus says, he looks up to these religious people. He says, you're getting so focused on the religious duty of what you're doing. And you're returning tithe off of the spices that you use to influence your food. And you think that's all it takes. Here's the, somebody says, Pastor, if I don't tithe, am I going to heaven? I, I don't know. I'm not God. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where that is a salvational principle, but it's definitely a trust principle. And if you don't trust him, I don't know if you're going to make it to heaven. I don't even know if you're going to get through tomorrow. But Jesus says, there are way more important things that you need to be dealing with. And if you can't even handle the very basic thing, how in the world do you think you're going to handle these big things? But the rewards are definitely worth the risk. Malachi 3, verses 10 and 11, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Where's the storehouse? The church. Well, I, I give my tithe online to this charitable organization. That's not tithing. That's yours. Tithing's his. He says, bring the tithe, what's mine, to the place that I've designated for the tithing to be used. Bring the tithe to the storehouse that there may be food in my house because there are going to be people showing up and there needs to be something in the house. Well, God ought to provide. He did. That's why he gave you the wherewithal so you could return what's his. God provides the needs of others through the wherewithal that he entrusts to you. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. Here's the deal, y'all hear me. If you're unwilling to trust him, he can't ever prove himself to you. Pastor, why are you all the time talking about tithing? Because I want you to experience the proof that God brings. Because I know what it feels like. And in those moments of doubt and challenge, when it, when it feels like there's no income and there, there ain't even no source where it's going to come from, Someone sends me a, a gift in the mail and it's tough, but I take that first 10% and I give it back to God when I could really use that 100%. Why do I do that? Because I've learned to trust him. I've also lived not trusting him and you can't pay me to go back there. Just like Paul said, I've learned to be content when I have a lot. I've learned to be content when I don't have anything because I've learned the principle. If he says it, he will come to pass. Maybe not in the time that I want it to come to pass, but he's not a man. He's not a liar. And he's telling the truth. Continue down into verse 11. He says, notice this. 
This is God talking. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So he will not destroy the fruit of the ground. Wait, wait, what? Fruit of the ground? I thought God didn't want fruit of the ground. He just wants you to trust him with the best. Fruit of the ground references what you bring to the table. I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake if you trust me. You trust me, you rely on me, and you obey me. And the devourer will not be able to destroy the things that you work on. And their vine will, will, not fare, will, will not fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Here's the deal. Y'all keep playing. They think I'm going another hour. You see, you see throughout the Bible, people rebuking the devil. You see angels from heaven rebuking the devil. In my own life, I remember there, there was a, a kid with special needs that attended our church and he sat on the front row. And this was one of the few times that my dad got a little crazy and he brought someone to preach that he had never heard preach before. And this guy saw this, this child with special needs and he decides that he thinks that child with special needs is demon possessed. And so he rebukes him right during the middle of church and the kid looks back and I rebuke you back. And it was just, it was awesome. Like that kid became my hero in that moment. <laughs> I rebuke, I rebuke you back. Of course, my brother and I said that to each other and everybody else for the rest of our lives. But throughout the Bible, we see, we see God's people rebuking the enemy. We see the angels rebuking the enemy. But the only time in the Bible that you ever see God rebuking the devourer is right here in Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. Why? He says, if you'll trust me with what's mine, or if you'll respond well to me trusting you with what's mine and you'll trust me with what's yours, I will rebuke the thing that tries to take everything from you. And everything that's sucking the life out of you, it will not be able to do it. It may think it has a foothold, but when you trust in me, you rely on me and you obey me, I've got you. I don't work in your time. I work in my time and I'm working on things behind the scenes. You don't even have a concept of understanding. So you may not see it, but I do my work in the dark. You don't need to see what I'm doing because you'll fixate on the details. You don't need to worry about the details. You just need to trust me. Pastor, why, why are you talking about tithing? Because without investment, we can never have expansion. And God is calling each and every believer in this house to a place of personal and corporate expansion. But he says, I've got to be able to trust you with what that looks like. But first, you have to trust me. Pastor, is this a money sermon? You better believe it's a money sermon. Time, talent, and treasure is definitely there, but we're talking about money. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where you store up your treasure, that's where your heart's going. God wants your heart. Trust him with your finances. Go back to Proverbs 3. Worship God with your offering and with his tithe. And watch how he proves himself. This is not a sermon where we run the aisles and dance around. this is one of those sermons where we do one of those trust falls. By the way, don't ever ask me to do a trust fall. I did it once. I will never do that again. I don't trust you. A bunch of liars. <laughs> My brother is, he's a lot smaller now, but he used to be extra healthy. And he decides, he sees on YouTube these people crowd surfing in a concert and they were doing youth service at their church in Sacramento and all the youth were gathered around the front and they were piled in. My brother says, I, I felt like I just need to crowd surf. And here he is. He, he's, he was rather rotund at the time. 
And the pastor, the pastor decides just, I'm here I go. And he jumps off the stage, no warning. And literally everybody goes, I don't do trust falls because I don't trust you. But this is one of those services. This is one of those sermons where God is saying, trust me. Now, here's the deal. I'm not asking for money. I'm not. Your money does nothing for me. I, I get nothing out of it. Not asking for money. In fact, God's not even asking for money. God's asking for your heart. But he wants to prove something to you. And maybe today you've never returned tithe. God's saying, let me trust you. Maybe all you've done up to this point is give offering. Cool. Maybe, maybe today you've been thinking that tithing and offering are one and the same. I, I get it. Bad teaching is bad teaching and it produces bad results. Or maybe you heard somebody on, on YouTube preach that tithing no longer applies. Okay, I get it. Like people make up junk about the Bible all the time. It doesn't make it true. I want to challenge you to build your life on the Word of God and not lean to your own understanding. Build on the firm foundation of who He is and watch how He can prove Himself to you. That sound good? So here's what I want you to do. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to close out with some worship this morning. We're not receiving another offering. Nobody worry about that. But here's what I like to do. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Nobody leaving yet. Y'all give me just two more minutes. Nobody leave yet. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would open up our understanding of who you are. Trust us with your word. Trust us with your truth. Trust us with your investment, God. Trust us with everything that you are, Lord, and teach us to trust you. And Lord, prove yourself in a way you've never proved yourself in this congregation so that we can rely on you. And Lord, give us the strength to obey you even in the moments where we don't understand fully, God. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you open up the windows of heaven and shower out a blessing that we can't even contain, God. When we think we can handle it, Lord, just overwhelm us with a little bit more blessing. Not more stuff, God, but more and more of your favor, more and more of your character, more and more of your glory, more and more of your identity, Lord Jesus. And God, here's the promise that we make this morning. If you will be our God, if you will be the Lord of our life, we will build everything in our life on you. In Jesus' name, come on, let's sing together.